Hello, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Vineyard Northwest. Grab a seat. Come on in. We're glad you're here. My name's Jordan. I'm the youth pastor here at Vineyard Northwest. Super pumped to be here with you this morning. Thank you for that, JJ. Um, Before I go into the announcements, I want to tell you about something really cool that the youth ministry just got to do last weekend. Uh, We went on a fall retreat to a camp in... Miamisburg, Ohio. We got a picture, the all-camp picture right there. We had seven churches come together. There were 92 students total. It was a fantastic weekend. It was so much fun. It was so exciting. So many of you here helped us out and helped us make it happen. It was so good. A few kids gave their lives to Jesus, which was awesome. And one just like super cool thing, I'm still blown away that it happened. We had a girl from a church in Indianapolis that was there, and a couple months ago she'd been in some kind of accident on vacation, and she'd actually gone deaf in one of her ears. And after one of our high school students prayed for her, she got her hearing back completely. It was amazing. It was just an awesome weekend, it was, and it just, it was above and beyond anything that we thought it would would be or could be, and We were just so excited to see that God showed up. So anyway, if you're new here, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome all of you to Vineyard Northwest. Um, If you're new here, thanks for joining us. Uh, We have a special gift for you if this is your first week here. It's out in the atrium at the Welcome Center, so stop by there after the service um, and pick pick up the little gift bag. If this is your first time or you've been coming for a while and you still haven't done it yet, if you could fill out a connect card that's on the back of the seat in front of you, uh, fill that out and you can drop it in the offering basket um, later on in the service when that comes through. Uh, Or you can take it to the Welcome Center later when you get your gift. So, two options there. Before we go any further... Yesterday was Veterans Day, so we wanted to take a second just to honor and acknowledge our veterans. So, first of all, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you've served in our military, or you're currently in our military, or in the police force, or a, a firefighter, we just want to say thank you so much for your service and keeping our community and city and country free, and, and we thank you so much for that. So now, if, if you served in our military, or are currently serving, or you're a firefighter or police, would you just stand up for us so we could, we could acknowledge you? Thank you so much for all that you've done and are doing for our country. We, we, we appreciate you, we love you, and we honor you here. A um, couple quick announcements, but very important announcements, so I'll, I'll hit on these real quick. First, we've got healing rooms tonight. Registration is from 7 to 7.30, and we'll be praying for people right up through 8.30 this evening. You'll get some focused prayer um, that maybe you can't always get at the end of the service during our prayer time. Um, It's really powerful. It's great. We pray for physical needs, emotional needs, family needs, spiritual needs, whatever it is. There's nothing too small and nothing too big. So come check it out. It's going to be great. One person that's gone through our healing rooms have said this, this is the greatest thing ever. It was the first time in my life I experienced the presence of God. So come check it out. It's, it's powerful, it's impactful, and it could change your life. So we'd love to see you there. Finally, next weekend, we're having an Outside the Walls conference. The conference is scheduled for November 17th through the 19th, and times and details are in your programs. You can either the paper one or you can check it out on, on our app. 
Um, our guest speaker is Chad Dedman from Bethel Church in Redding, California. And Bethel is a large and influential church that holds many of the same values that we do here at our church. Um, Chad lives outside the walls and has some incredible stories to tell about how loving and powerful God is. He's, he's also a great teacher, and we're convinced that Chad is going to deposit something of God's presence and life and anointing into the heart of our church. So it's going to be really exciting. Come check it out. We believe that hearing Chad is going to draw you further into your kingdom destiny. So it's going to be good. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, lastly, uh, we do take up an offering in our services here that's going to be at the end of, um, end of the service today. So uh, if you want to give to our church, you can make checks available to, Vineyard, to make checks out to Vineyard Church Northwest. Um, or you can give through the app if you don't have your checkbook with you here and you want to give to us still. Uh, just go into the app store and search Vineyard Northwest and it'll come up. It's pretty easy to follow um, on there. So that being said, I'd like to welcome our senior pastor, Van Up. He's got some, something to share with us. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, you saw that uh, picture, 120 people, seven churches, our youth pastor, Jordan, organized the whole thing. He was the guy, he was the guy that had the vision for it, that invited all these other churches, and that they all got on board with him to, to accomplish this. So just want to say thank you to Jordan. I want to take a few moments right now, and I want to introduce to some of you uh, a, a key staff member here. I want to honor, honor this staff member. Many of you know Dave King. Uh, Dave has been our executive pastor since 2011, and last spring, God started putting some new things in Dave's heart, and a desire on his part to take his gifts and his ministry outside the walls of the church. And, and so he started at that point focusing on getting involved in the business and uh, professional community. In August, Dave shared with us as a church that he had gone to half time so he could pursue that and, and, and do everything he could to make that happen. And um, it didn't take long. We, we saw this thing progress really quickly, so much so that in October, Dave had to go full time in his other endeavor. And so that means he ended his time on staff uh, the 1st of October. And um, man, we're just so thankful for Dave, just so thankful for him. Uh, if you know Dave King, you love him. Anybody here agree with that? Okay, yeah. Dave has been a great friend and support to me personally and to the whole staff. And, and he's been a crucial part of developing our staff. And, and I believe that we as a church right now are on the cusp of something really significant. We are positioned at this point in time to, to have a growing and major influence on not only our own community, but the city and the region. And there's nobody more responsible for that than Dave King and his work with the staff and with the vision of the church and, and um, moving us ahead. So I want to ask you right now to stand with me and let's welcome Dave King. Thank you. Wow, thank you very much. It's good to be here with you today. Yeah, things have happened very, very quickly 
as I spoke in August, as Van referenced, if you want to listen to that podcast, it's the August 13th podcast where I, I outline really what God had placed in my heart to be involved in the business community. And what's really developed, which has been a surprise to me, has been primarily a focus within the healthcare world. Uh, I had a background working years ago in healthcare ministry, and God has just brought me right back into this, only in a greater capacity. I'm in a new initiative. I'm working with a local healthcare system that is starting a brand new program. And this one healthcare system that I'm, I'm a part of is the only one in the greater Cincinnati area that's currently doing this. And what it involves is, say you go to your family doctor, and the family doctor determines that you could use some extra support, could use some listening and prayer uh, via the telephone, or actually in the doctor's office, is that the doctor would recommend you for outpatient spiritual care services. And so you would um, be referred to my department. Currently, it's myself and one other person that's working in this pilot program, this brand new program. And it was really developing quickly throughout the summer into early fall, so much so that when I stepped into full time, the other person I was working with said, "Who is this person is great from the standpoint she, she's a, a very uh, entrepreneurial person, a great starter. And she says, and here's what I'm sensing God is telling me to do. This is now yours to drive. And so she pulled back, still very much involved, but I'm managing this new initiative as well as driving this new initiative. So it's a a great opportunity. It's a brand new opportunity that's exciting and scary at once. The biggest prayer that I would have, that I would ask you guys to be praying into is just a greater openness among patients, among the healthcare personnel in our city that would see this as a great opportunity to, to touch people's lives. Because there are, with the isolation that comes with, uh, in our communities, uh, our service is, services can really help meet that need. But there's only one section of the city where that's happening with a broader vision over the next couple of years to take it citywide. So it's pretty exciting. Again, I would appreciate your prayers. I love you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to be here and to serve with you over the last six years. And praying for great things as God continues to, to move our church forward. So, Van, turn it back over. We're going to pray right now for uh, Dave and Sharon so you can uh, agree with this. Sometimes people like to hold their hand out. That, it, that, that's just kind of like a symbolic way of saying we're with you. You don't have to do that if you want to. You're free to, okay? So, God, we just thank you so much for Dave and for Sharon and all that you have accomplished here and what you're introducing and bringing into their lives now. We just bless that. Uh, Father, you see Dave's heart, you know Sharon's heart, and uh, we we just ask in Jesus' name for a filling of each of them with a fresh filling of your presence and your spirit so that uh, your love is going to flow through them, uh, flow through Dave in this new endeavor, give him wisdom, give him insight and anointing to touch people's lives so the name of Jesus will be lifted up and your kingdom will be advanced. And so, Dave, we bless you as you enter into this. We're thankful for you, 
and Sharon and your faithfulness to God. And Dave, we bless you as you enter into this new endeavor. And as you go for it, just don't go too far. Stay here. We, want, we still want to see you. And just blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to watch a short video clip, and then Wilson's going to come up and bring the morning message. Right the hand, make the circle. Wax off, left hand. All right, so here's the question. Who is more like Mr. Miyagi, Van or Dave? <laughs> Not sure. Hey, welcome to Vineyard Northwest once again. So glad to see everybody here. Um, If you didn't know, we've been in a series for the past seven weeks called Power Outside the Walls, because we believe a core fundamental part of being a Christian is taking the experience you've had with God outside of church. And you know that if you've had an experience with God, you've experienced his power, because he doesn't operate without his power. And power is actually ability to do something. So if you've been affected in any way, shape, or form by God, you've experienced his power. And we believe that we're supposed to, we're commissioned to take that outside of the church and to share with other people. And um, the seven-week series will be concluded today. And I'm just curious, have you guys liked it? Has it been helpful? Have you guys enjoyed it at all? Cool. You know, I was thinking this week, about um, how we decided to do this series. And back in the spring, uh, Luke and Van and I, Luke is one of our young adult pastors here. I'm a young adult pastor. Luke's one of the young adults pastors. And then Van, who's just up here, is a senior pastor. And Luke and Van and I were talking about um, just kind of planning our, uh, our sermon series and the message series for the rest of the year. And we said, okay, let's do a series called Praying from Heaven's Perspective in the summer, and the focus of that will really be um, intercessory prayer and what our uh, personal prayer lives should be like and how we should engage with um, talking to God and praying for our city and praying for our families and our neighbors and work and stuff like that. And as we are talking about that, Luke kind of just like blurted out, I really feel like we need to do a series on power evangelism. And we're like, okay, what, what do you mean? Like, what do you say? And he's like, I just feel like we need, we need to bring this back to the forefront of things and that we've kind of lost a little bit of focus on it. And he said, I just remember there used to be all the, I, I used to hear stories all the time from different people about some kind of encounter or praying for somebody or praying for their waitress or the, somebody getting healed at Speedway. And he's like, I think that's really a fundamental part of our church's mission and that um, we need to talk about it and we need to get it kind of like back in the forefront of all of our eyes. And uh, we, we were agreeing with them and then Luke kind of just paused and said, and you know, I actually probably need to be the first person to start doing this myself. He's like, this is probably in some way a reflection of just how, like my attitude towards power evangelism. And then Van agreed and said, yeah, me too. I, I, I also need to renew my focus in power evangelism. And I said, you're right. Both of you guys have been slacking. You do need to. That's actually why I called this meeting. No, I'm just kidding. I said, yeah, me too. Like, I need renewed focus and to grow in this area. And that has been um, kind of the driving force behind this series, 
is we believe power evangelism, which let me define that for you again, just in case you haven't heard that term before. Power evangelism is when we rely on the power of God to compel people to enter into a relationship with him. Power evangelism is when we rely on the power of God to compel people to enter into a relationship with him. That's the definition. Then a quick goal in power evangelism or a quick motivation behind doing it would be this. That people experience the love of God. What's the reason we want people? What's the reason we're going to use power to demonstrate to demonstrate God so that they experience his love. And we think that this is something this church is actually called to. This is actually part of this church's fundamental um, mode of advancing the kingdom. You know, there's lots of different ways to advance the kingdom and bless all of them. But one of the ways that this church is actually even uh, called by God, like I would say that specifically like anointed, meaning like God has set us to do this is through power evangelism. And that's not just something that Luke and Van and I have like decided and made up. Uh, about two years ago, Luke and I were at a training event in Illinois, and it was a training for School of Kingdom Ministry, which is a class we do here at the church um, on Sunday nights. And during the training, the leader of the school, his name is Putty Putman, was teaching on power evangelism and making a, and just kind of like unpacking it and talking about the philosophy behind it. And he was really pointing out that power evangelism doesn't have to be something you do on the street or the stranger. It can be an interaction you have with a family member or a neighbor or a coworker. And to kind of cut a long story short, some of the things he was saying, Luke and I basically were disagreeing with. And the, it's probably because we were being overly critical. Like, in hindsight, we totally agree with the things he was saying. But we were just kind of questioning. We felt like he was, basically what it came down to, we felt like he was saying that not everybody had to do power evangelism. That it wasn't something that everybody was going to you know, partake in. And Luke went up to him afterwards and just was asking him questions, just kind of probing him about what he meant. And, you know, for lack of better words, just challenging him on that, that idea. And, he's, and I just remember Putty stopping Luke and going, hold on, Luke, you don't understand. Your church has a grace on it for power evangelism. There's actually grace on your church to do this. And there's like, there's like an assignment from God for your church to do this. So it's actually easier for people from your church to engage in this than maybe from other churches. Because this is, God has put grace on your church for that. And that's why you guys have seen all the fruit you have. That's part of why you guys have seen all the fruit you have. And um, that really encouraged me. <laughs> I was like, cool. There's something that God has actually put on Vineyard Northwest to be able to step into and to be able to do this effectively and to reach our community and to reach people around us that we love. Because that's the idea that we want to always return to with power evangelism is that it's a tangible expression of God's love to offer people. Who doesn't want to have a tangible expression of God's love to offer people? Another person who kind of called this out in us, his name is Paul Egley. His dad has uh, had an influence on this church and um, taught here before. And one time his son, his son Paul was here on a kind of ministry trip. And this was back in 2015 that Paul was here. And Paul emailed us a year later, which just happened to be November 17th, 2016. So he was here 2015, emailed us November 17th, 2016, which ironically is the day that we're starting the Outside the Walls conference 
uh, next Friday. So I only think that's um, a coincidence. I really encourage you to be here for that. But on November 17th, he sent this email to some of the church staff. Hi, this is Paul. I visited your church sometime in 2015. I've been sitting on something that I think may be a word from the Lord for your church. In times past, I have felt intimidated about the thought of trying to lead someone to the Lord, even if that person already wants to give their life to him. You know, like, what if when I pray with them, I mess it up or forget something important? I think many people experience this same or similar fear. But when I was at your church, I had the idea that the stronghold of such fears would be coming down in your church and that people would see leading others to Christ as a very normal thing for everyday people. When I reflected on this today, the classic words, everybody gets to play, came to mind. I just imagine people hearing about and seeing examples of it here and there, and then realizing that for the most part, when it comes to others being led to Christ, they can just show up for it. It can just be a natural thing. When ordinary people share their experiences of their own conversion and conversions they've been a part of, it will build confidence and wisdom in others. I hope this email finds you well and maybe means something to someone there. Warm regards. Yes, that does mean something to someone there, Paul. Um, There's grace on our church for this, you guys. Who, Who would be excited about part of Vineyard Northwest's reputation in the, in the city being that they're just always leading people to Christ. Like, oh, I have a friend from Vineyard Northwest and he led somebody to Jesus at work last week. Or I have a friend from North, Vineyard Northwest and he prayed for um, a mutual friend of mine. And that's how I found out about it because I heard he went to Vineyard Northwest. Like that, that excites me. And I think that this is a real attainable thing that we can push into as a church together. And that a really key part of it is this. The stronghold of fear is coming down. He said, when I was at your church, I had the idea that the stronghold of such fears would be coming down in your church. And that people would see leading others to Christ as a very normal thing for everyday people. So, it doesn't take a genius to point out that fear is part of, is one of the things that keeps us from sharing God's love with people, right? And like, none of us are excluded from that, okay? Every single person, I feel fear about this. And sometimes I give into it. Sometimes I don't push through and make, I mean, oftentimes. This week, I was doing an assembly. Luke and I and another person on staff, we work for an organization that does these anti-bullying assemblies in uh, schools. And Luke and I were there and I'd got, I, I was there for two days, and at the end of the second day, I'd gotten to know the gym teacher really well, and I, uh, I noticed that he had back pain and that he was kind of walking with a limp. And so I thought, hey, this is a perfect example, uh, or this is a perfect opportunity. This is a natural chance to pray for somebody. And if you remember some of the steps we listed, that step three is to do evangelism when it feels natural. That was step three is take, take a chance when it feels natural. And so I was walking back with the gym teacher to his, to his uh, office because we were storing some equipment there. I was like, okay, here's my chance. This is natural. We've got to know each other a little bit. It's, you know, great chance. But I uh, just talked about baseball with him for a second and then turned around and left <laughs> and didn't pray for him. And that, you know, that's part of my reality. Fear and being hung up by that type of stuff is part of all of our realities. The key thing is to not let fear be a bridge to shame and guilt in our life. 
Because, you know, that's, that's where fear wants to camp out. It, it's okay to feel fear. There's nothing wrong with feeling fear. But fear's goal is to make you feel bad about feeling fear. That's the goal of, of fear, is to make you get stuck. Like, oh, I can't believe I feel this way. I suck. I'm messed up, blah, blah, blah. You don't, we don't need to dwell there and rest there. But if we're going to agree that fear is one of the things that keep us from doing this, there's another thing that I think is worthy to be, um, to be addressed and called out. And that's what I want to talk about my message today for the next 20 minutes. I think one of the main things that keeps us from power evangelism is the feeling that we have to fully understand how to do it before we do it. That feeling that I need to know exactly the words to say. I need to know exactly how to pray. I need to know exactly why before I have the freedom and the confidence to step out. I'd be willing to bet that this applies to our life in many other areas besides power evangelism. Like, I'm sure there's people sitting in this room, because I'd be one of them, who is not taking the next step in some area of my life because I don't feel confident about how to do it. Whether it be some, whether maybe some, uh, your careers or our relationships or education or what, a major block for us is not knowing how to do something and then not acting because of that. Feeling like, I don't know how, so I can't do this. But if you're feeling that, I just want to say you're in good company, okay? You're in good company if you're feeling that way because. Even the apostles felt that way. Even the 12 people, the 11, well, ended up just being 11, 11 guys that Jesus selected to carry out his ministry on earth and to extend the kingdom around the world, even they felt like they didn't know what to do at times. Like we can all relate to Daniel and the karate kid, right? <laughs> Why are you having me do this? Wax on, wax off. What does this have to do with karate? <laughs> You just want me to clean your car? Like, what's the point? I don't get it. Why are you wanting me to do this? This is uncomfortable or this doesn't make sense. Or hey, here's one. This isn't what I expected it would be like. Therefore, I I just can't. I'm just going to check out. I can't do it. Look with me in Acts 1. I noticed this week, uh, this verse was on my heart, Acts 1, 8, and I wanted to talk about it. It says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Powerful verse. I love it because it says that we will be witnesses. It doesn't say that we will witness. It says we'll be witnesses. That's a statement about our identity. It's an inescapable fact about being a Christian is that you are a witness. It's not, it's not um, primarily a thing you do. It's primarily something that you are. So right there, we can, that takes some of the pressure off for me. That this isn't about me doing something more. Okay? That's not what we're trying to uh, communicate. This is about experiencing something greater. It's not about us doing something more. It's about us experiencing something greater. Experiencing more of who we really are. The witness that is within you. Can I get a witness? All right. So, Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. As I read that this week, I uh, was scanning the verses before it, and I noticed something new in the context that I hadn't really seen before. 
Back in verse 3, Acts 1-3, Jesus says, it says this, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So this is talking about is that after Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the dead, he appeared to the disciples several times, showing them that, hey, I'm really alive, I'm really back, and then teaching them and explaining to them the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God was all about. And if you know anything about the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus, or you've read some of Jesus' parables, you know that he talked about the kingdom a lot. And he was always making different analogies and trying to welcome his followers into a deeper understanding of what the kingdom of God was. Well, if we skip down to verse 6, this is really revealing about where the um, apostles were at in their process of understanding the kingdom and in understanding their role in it. In verse 6, it says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So Jesus spends 40 days with them, explaining what the kingdom is about, and they still don't get it. (laughs) They still are lost. They still think that Jesus is coming to bring a political revolution. That's what they're asking. We restore the kingdom of Israel, meaning, will you become king of Israel and lead our nation? And by the way, like you can make us your lieutenants and governors and put us, you know, in convenient spots of power in charge. That's what they're asking him. After all this time with Jesus, they still miss. And man, how much can we relate to that? <laughs> how much of our Christian life is process and Jesus being gracious with us and continually us understanding more and more and more? And then the second thing is that they want him to do all the work. They say, thanks for uh, being crucified and resurrecting. Now, by the way, will you also do this for us? (laughs) Will you restore the kingdom to Israel? When are you going to do it? When the whole message is we, (laughs) is Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit so that he can do it with us, so that we have a major role in the whole show now. That it's not... Um, about us waiting on him to do it, but it's about us joining with him to do it. They don't understand this. They're missing the whole substance of the kingdom and they're missing their role in it. And how much can we relate to that? You know, how much can you relate to that? I can relate to it a lot. So changing gears for a second. In Genesis 128, It says this. This is the very beginning of creation. This is the beginning of time. Or whatever. Uh, Yeah. Um, Here's what what God says to Adam and Eve. Here's his his, uh, charge to them. the The two first humans. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God is telling Adam and Eve what their purpose is, why they were created. And it's to have dominion. It's to expand the garden around the earth. Because he says, fill the earth and subdue it. If, he needs to subdue, be, if he's telling them to do it, subdue it, that means that the whole earth isn't subdued, right? 
It's kind of a novel thought that the earth wasn't created totally ready, but that from the get-go, God wanted us to work alongside of him to extend his kingdom throughout the whole earth. This commission that God gives to Adam and Eve here is reinstated before Jesus goes back to heaven. When Jesus goes back to heaven, when he ascends, he gives a great commission of his own. And he says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm going to come back, basically. God's first commission to humanity and the Great Commission, the Great Commission is a restoration of humanity's entire purpose. You see, we exist on this earth to be loved by God and to spread that love throughout the earth. This is our core the core reason we exist, to spread the kingdom throughout the earth. And a prerequisite, a prerequisite is not fully understanding your role in it. To extend the kingdom, it does not mean that you need to totally understand how to do it, why to do it, or what your role is. That's not, that's not part of the picture, Okay. That, that's, that comes into play. Understanding will come as we do it. I really think that Jesus, Jesus trusts them. He sent the Holy Spirit still. Even after they say, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they don't understand what the kingdom's about. And after they ask him when he's going to do it. So they don't understand the substance, substance of the kingdom or their role in it. He still says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm still sending the Holy Spirit. And this is your guy, you guys are going to do this. We don't have to fully understand it to do it. And that will, that will freeze us. That will stop us in our tracks from ever doing it. I think so much more of the understanding comes as we go. And I think this is, this is actually a really important part of faith. Is that we act even though we don't fully understand. Faith isn't the same as mental certainty. Or total clarity. Faith is, comes from a place of obedience. And recognizing what God says to do and obeying it. That's a, that's a fundamental core beginning point in our faith. Is what are you saying God? Okay, if I understand it, that's bonus. And we should understand. It's not like, I'm not saying... That, you know, when we go into worship, if you have this hunch, you should take all your clothes off and come dance on the stage, that faith would be doing that, you know? There is, there is wisdom and there's parameters, but who, please nobody do that. But, um, <laughs> and if someone is, I think we should, we deserve to get to vote on who it's going to be, okay? <laughs> but this is part of faith is letting go of our need to have to understand and have to know how to do it. So I want to review these five steps with you to, to kind of close things. And um, I think we can all agree that we have friends and family we want to experience God's love and power. We can agree about that. How are we going to get there? How are we going to see that actualized and not just be a desire? Well, I think that these five steps we came, with, came up with are really practical places to um, 
grab onto and to go forward. So they're not going to be up on the screen, but just, just stick with me here. Step one is a willing heart. Step one is just that heart posture of saying, I want to do more evangelism. It's recognizing that this is part of the call and basically saying yes. Saying yes in your heart. I want to grow in this area. This is something I want to do. Step two, really sorry I don't have them up here, but step two is those first steps. It's I want to do more evangelism, so I do it when I'm with my church. It's looking for outreaches or opportunities that we're presenting to go do it all together. You know, that's in a, in a safe way, like Healing on the Streets, a ministry that gathers at Northgate Mall every single Saturday from 12 to 2, and we just put up a banner that says Healing, put out chairs, and then people come and sit down, and we pray for them. You, you wouldn't believe it, but 30 to 40 people every single Saturday come sit down and get prayer at, in Northgate Mall. This is a great first step for anybody is, hey, here's an opportunity where my church is doing it, so I'm not going to be singled out, or I don't have to figure this out on my own, but I can join in with what they're doing. Step three, growing confidence. I want to do more evangelism, so I'm starting to look for opportunities and do it when it feels natural. You know, like my gym teacher example. That was a natural time. That was a good opportunity um, when there's just somebody expressing to you a problem they have in their life. That's a good example of a natural opportunity to pray for someone. Step four, intentionality. I want to do more evangelism, so I do it when it feels natural and choose to do it intentionally. This is setting goals for yourself and saying, hey, in the next five weeks, I'm going to approach one, I'm going to ask one of my family members who isn't saved, or I'm going to ask a coworker, or I'm going to ask one cashier, hey, is there anything you could use prayer for? Is there any way that I could just say a quick prayer for you? Because I believe God loves you. That's step four, intentionality. And then step five is when it just becomes a lifestyle. And it's something you kind of do on autopilot. And here's what I want to say. Even when you get to that place, it doesn't mean you're always going to be successful. It doesn't mean every encounter, every interaction you're going to have is going to lead someone to the Lord. But it just means that you've gotten to a place where you're saying, hey, um, where you're not even saying hey to yourself. You're just living. You're just realizing that Jesus is in me. He loves the world. When I see that person and I feel compassion for them, that's not just my compassion. Maybe that's God stirring me towards them. I had a moment like that this week at Panera Bread. I was getting my drink. Jen and I, my wife and I had dinner there. I was getting my drink, and uh, there's two high schoolers or about that age people standing next to me talking, and... I just had this sense go through, just, just, I had just this sense, like a thought went through my mind that the guy, the young man, had pain in his neck. And I just thought, okay, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to ask him, do you have any pain in your neck? So I turned to him and said, hey man, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just curious, do you have any pain in your neck? How, like, does your neck hurt at all? And he said, what? I was like, is your neck bothering you? Does your neck hurt? And he said, no, why, why are you asking me if my neck hurts? I was like, oh, no big deal, just a hunch, no. Don't worry about it. And try to kind of like skate out of the situation. And he goes, no, why are you asking? Why, why are you curious if I, if I have pain in my neck? And I said, okay, well, honestly, I'm just uh, wanting to practice hearing God's voice. And I thought he spoke to me and said that you had pain in your neck. But I was wrong. So no big deal. Um, Jesus loves you, though, man. And yeah, that, I was just going to see if I could pray for you. And he goes, oh, well, you know, I have pain in my back. And both my knees are hurting right now. Could you pray for that? And I was like, 
yeah, I could, you know? <laughs> I could do that. And he began to just explain to me how he had tendonitis in his knees and his knees really bothered him and that uh, he was a Christian, but he didn't really have any Christian community. And that he was just like so shocked. Like, why are you, you know, why are you offering to pray for me out here? And I said, man, I'm just trying to grow. Just take, you know, take my next steps and follow in Jesus. And I thought he said you had pain in your neck, but looks like something else good is coming from it. He's like, yeah. And so he said, let's just step over here and let me pray for you. He said, okay. So he stepped around the corner and um, I was just about to bend down and put my hand on his knee when I asked him, hey, it hurts right now. Is there anything that you can do to like notice the pain more or like what, what, like does bending make it hurt or what? And so he goes, yeah. And he bends, starts to bend down and he's like, yeah, that's as far as I can bend. He just stops. It's like it, it, I was like, okay, don't hurt yourself. But, um, remember that pain right there so that when I pray, we can see if it changes at all. He's like, okay, like you think something's gonna happen right now. And so I just bent down, put my hands on his knee and just prayed a short prayer. I just said, Jesus, thank you for your love for Dawson. I pray you fill him with your peace and your presence. And right now, tendonitis, leave the knee. All inflammation, all pain, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Um, be healed. Amen. And he said, and I stood up and I, and I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm good, thanks. And I was like, no, how is your knee? And uh, He's like, oh, I was like, yeah, just check it out. Don't do anything extreme, but check it out. And he bends down like this, and then he goes a little further, and then he goes, what did you do to me? What happened? <laughs> and pops his head up, and he's like, what is this? What happened? And I said, I, I don't know, I think Jesus is healing you, man. He's like, what? Like, you mean your prayer, right? That, the prayer is what did that? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And, he, and I said, how is it feeling? And he said, what do you mean? I'm not feeling, it doesn't feel, it doesn't hurt. Like, it's, it's better. <laughs> And I just, yeah, praise God. And I didn't have it all right. My word of knowledge about neck pain was wrong. The interaction was kind of awkward. But the power of God still showed up and healed his knees. Because we don't have to have it perfect. We don't have to fully understand how to do this to be used by God. That's not, that's not a prerequisite. It's full understanding, full um, understanding how to do this. The question is, in what direction is our heart trending? Not what direction is our mind and our, our knowledge of it, but in what direction is my heart trending? Is my heart trending away from this? Or is my heart trending towards power evangelism? And I would just be direct enough to say, if your heart is trending away from power evangelism, that's not a good thing. There's probably some questions and there's Hopefully you can, um, yeah, re-listen to some of the messages. Because this all starts with what direction our heart is trending towards. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. Father, thank you that you've given us new hearts. It says in Ezekiel that um, you've removed the heart of stone. You've, you've removed the hard hearts and give us soft hearts. So I just bless everyone's heart in this room. And um, thank you for the love that is in this room for the world and for the lost. And I pray you would increase that love. And we also just think right now of Southern, Southern Springs Baptist Church as they're meeting today for the first time since the horrific events. We pray you would bless them, bring comfort to their hearts, and peace um, to, a, to a time and a place that feels like peace would be the last thing present. But we release your peace there, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 
What I want to do now is welcome the ushers to come on down to the front um, to get ready to receive the offering. As mentioned earlier, um, you can give through the app. You can give online. Well, that's the same thing, the app. You can uh, give by a check made up the V Northwest or just put money in the envelopes. You can also just dip into your neighbor's purse and give from there. That's one of the most generous, generous ways to give, you know. Um, but thank you guys for your generosity. And that's how this place runs. That's why the lights are on. That's why, you know, we have guitars in our hands. That's why we can do this. And, and a lot beyond that. So we're going to worship now.